see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Sweet, yeah, guy. Welcome, everyone. It's Wednesday, April 7th. David Lee Scales and Scott Bass here with you talking all things surf on the Spit Podcast. And David, there's a lot going on in the the world of surfing. The uh, most current news I am actually watching right now. Do you have it streaming? I do. I am watching it as well. I'm doing my best and I'm anticipating that you're going to do your best to focus on me as I focus on you, engage in some discussion while watching Julian Wilson rip the shit out of this wave at Newcastle, because we're watching the Rip Curl Newcastle Cup. It's streaming live. A stickerless Julian Wilson. It just doesn't look right. Hey, maybe he's our next uh, project, Project Wilson. I agree. I would love to support. I fully support Julian. Actually, that's a great question. Do you fully support Julian? I think he would have been, you would have thought he was smart money early on, but at this point, it's a little bit risky to put your money on Julian. Yeah, he's, I don't know. That's, he's one that I want to see win a world title. There's some that are kind of in that same category of guys that have the talent, but maybe they're not putting it all together. And of, of all those guys, Julian's the one guy who I would like to see. I guess I would be most stoked for him and be happy for him not that i wouldn't be happy i'm starting to i'm starting to feel sorry for jordy smith (laughs) did i tell you this last time no you didn't i'm starting to feel a little bit sorry for jordy smith he's he's such a friggin' good surfer yeah that i mean they all are it's you know i guess what i'm saying is in the past i was like whatever his past is prime but i don't know man guys surf's insane these guys all surf really good however i was just texting a buddy of mine during the frederico marias and um ace bucking heat i call that i call that heat lunchtime (laughs) no shit i was like i if i never ever ever saw these two guys surf again i would be perfectly fine with it i know talk about generic now, I know they're competitors. I know they're incredible athletes. I know they're incredible surfers. But it's just too, like, NSSA kind of three to the beach. I don't know. The first heat with Gabriel, when Gabriel just blew out that incredible aerial and just made it look so effortless and with so much speed. And they use that phrase, you know, making uh, something out of nothing. After watching that heat, and then you get kind of plugged into this, like, NSSA kind of three to the beach vibe, it just it just doesn't do it justice. Well, that it went from that heat to then um, Jeremy Flores and Adriana de Souza, which was more of exactly what you just said. And not only is it NSSA and Three to the Beach, it's the exact same way that we've seen those guys surf for the past decade. Those guys yeah. have all the most of them, other than I guess Fred, Frederico Marais, has been on tour for a decade, and they've been surfing the exact same way ever since. And sure, they get 11s and, you know, 12-point heat totals, a couple of sixes or whatever. 
It's definitely not impressive. They're definitely never going to win an event based on that style of surfing, no matter where in the world they are. And it's just not entertaining. It's exactly what we've seen every single time. Yeah, wouldn't we rather see somebody like one of the Marshall brothers or some, um, like how about we put uh, Dorian's kid in one of these heats, you know what I mean? Dorian's kid could probably light this spot up right now. Totally. Okay, so let's kind of reset a little bit. Um, this is day two of Newcastle. Actually, I'm sorry, day three. It's been about a week since the opening day, which ran in knee-high surf. They had one day in between then and now, which was um, an elimination round for the men and the women that ran in more swell, but it was a little bit wonky. It actually, even though there was maybe chest to head high waves, it wasn't any better, really. Um, so the waves have gotten better, but they're far from good. So that was kind of the initial concern about running at Newcastle was it's a QS venue. We started getting feedback from people sending us photos of it on its best days saying, yeah, right, it's really good. It gets good, but ultimately the event isn't running in great, great days or great waves. We ran two days of competition, all of that resource, all of that time waited, all of these people traveling from around the world and quarantining. And would you like to know, Scott, on the men's side, what all of that time and effort equated to? the four surfers that we lost. Who are those four surfers? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Put me on the spot, bros. I don't know. Who are they? You won't remember their names in three years from now. You know, look, Matt Banting, sadly, <laughs> sadly for me. Uh, Matthew McGillivray, yes. Jadson Andre, yes. and Mikey Wright. So yeah. my point being, all of that time and resource wasted, absorbed, used to lose four guys who nobody would have bet on to win the event. And honestly, very few people would have bet on any of those guys to even make the quarterfinals. But scrub that. If you're not here to win the event, then what are you here for? And none of these guys, nobody would have put their money on that. And so what are we doing? Why do we have 32 servers on tour? Yeah, there's a bunch of like, you know, sort of tradesmen that are just happy to take their lunch pail to work and cash their check and Move those guys are happy. That's fine. I mean, there are those surfers that are happy living that lifestyle, but it's not good for no. surfing. It's not yeah. good for optics for the WSL. It's not good for you and I who want to be entertained. I totally agree. I'm, you know, I mean, you've been, I'm the king of get less surfers and get better waves. Totally. Um, the, on the women's side, another concern that we had going into this yeah. was that this QS quality venue is going to shake up the um, the rankings and the ratings and ultimately give opportunity to surf to inferior surfers, lesser talented surfers who are accustomed to surfing QS waves. And it might nullify the strengths of world-class talents, right? Who are more kind of geared for, let's say, GLAN and Cloudbreak. That's precisely what happened on the women's side. Sally Fitzgibbon went down to Keely Andrew. Lakey Peterson went down to Bronte McCalla. Um, Tatiana Weston Webb went down to Isabella Nichols, which there's a little bit of a caveat there. I really like Isabella and I think she's incredibly talented and she will kind of rise to the occasion. So, and then Tyler Wright went down to Courtney Conlog, which again, you could argue Courtney could take Tyler yeah. you know, when Courtney's on. But even yeah. still, the point is, 
the top names other than Carissa and Steph went down on the uh, elimination day. Yeah, I can't speak to the women's side too much. I mean, I guess those girls that did advance, according to you, they're just not the same level of surfer as these other gals. They're not. Yeah, that's too bad. It's unfortunate. And, um, and, and you know, we sort of saw this coming. I mean, when you, when you look at, the, like, the Frederico Marias heat or the Adriano heat, it's not that they're not – well, yeah, they are lesser surfers, but it's almost like the waves are kind of going – three to the beach like you know what I mean like there's not a lot of opportunity here that's what you think until you see Gabriel Medina or Idolo paddle out right or yeah. John John we're about to see that right um but anyway hey I got a question for you so hit me I was listening a song came on my Spotify today and I was like god this is such a good song I hadn't heard in a long time and it made me realize it's one of those songs there's certain albums that you have to listen to I think that you have to listen to all the way through. They're almost like concept albums, if you will. And it's a real shame. It's a crying shame. If one of those songs comes on your, your Spotify, just randomly shuffling and you don't hear the whole album. Now there aren't very many albums like this, but I believe there are quite, you know, maybe a handful that I can think of. And one of those albums is the soundtrack to five summer stories by honk. So if I hear one of those songs, I'm like, I got to hear the whole album. So my question to you is, first of all, do you even know what Five Summer Stories is? Have you ever heard of Honk? And is there another album, a, a classic album that you feel like, and it's kind of universally known, like it's not just you that feels that way, but it's kind of universally known that that album needs, everyone's in agreement that that album needs to be heard all the way through. Yeah, the answers to questions A and B are yes. And the question or one and two. And then the answer to question three is also yes. But I don't think it's as uncommon as you're implying. I think it's uncommon now in modern times. But when everything was built for vinyl or, or um, recorded for vinyl, you had to listen, right? From beginning to end. I mean, you could pick up the needle and try to place it on the right song. But for all intents and purposes at that time, albums were designed from beginning to end. Yeah. So I would I would say, yeah, the vast majority of Elton John's catalog, um, the Fleetwood Mac's catalog, the Beatles catalog, you know, the White I Album. I think you're casting Sergeant Peppers. Too wide of a net. Too wide okay. of a net. Okay. Help I mean, me I can it. I can hear like Norwegian Wood and not be like, oh shit, I gotta hear the whole album. There's a couple I'm not, I'm not saying that they're I'm not saying that there aren't great songs on all of those albums. I'm saying, here's a great example for okay. me. And I think this is universal. If you hear a track off of Dark Side of the Moon, you're like, dude, it's blasphemy to not hear that entire album all the way through. I mean, they did concerts with just doing that oh. album. And so I think it's a little bit, I think the list is a little thinner than you're making it out to be. And, and so I'm suggesting what the well, I'm interested in what the listeners think is really like because I think there's only a handful the so what best, are the list yeah. most complete albums from beginning to end where if you hear the song you're like it's a blasphemy if they don't play the whole album and it's even worse when like you hear it on your kids playlist or some youngsters playlist and you're like dude you don't get it right you got to hear the whole album you can't just listen to money or what right, you know right, us right. and them you can't listen to us and them and not hear the whole vibe 
Totally. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Let's come up with that list. Let's well, come you, up with the I'm asking five. you right now. You don't have one al- one album that's a definite. You got to hear the whole thing. Um, I don't know. I'm struggling to think being put on the spot. Well, that's you- okay because I think the list is thin. I don't think it's that large. I could only. I mean, to me, Dark Side of the Moon is the obvious one. That's that everyone. Everyone yeah. goes, yeah, that you know, that's the one, right? But um, I'm not sure there. I'm not sure there are five. Really? Yeah. Can you think of others, or did you have others in mind? Well, no. Think about it like this. And I don't mean five that you personally think are great. I mean that the general populace goes, yeah, you know, like you got to listen to these this album all the way through. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's a great topic. I will do. Um, I will think about it, and listeners will obviously chime in. There's probably internet lists that already exist that have these compiled. But um, Five Summer Story soundtrack. It's one of them. That's a that's a great call, by the way. Yeah, it is. Um, by the way, congratulations! I just kind of shamed Adriana De Souza. He's on the screen right now in his post heat uh, interview. Yeah, he's the second surfer, active surfer on tour to have competed in 500 WCT uh, events or heats. That was his 500th heat that we just watched. Oh, well, yeah, congratulations. Okay, so Jack, Robin- Jack Robinson is kind of surfing a little too, uh, he's kind of wanking. He's going into QS warrior mode, dude. Like that, a- is, that is kind of ugly surfing. Speaking of blasphemy, yeah. That is blasphemy. Putting Jack Robinson in these conditions and watching him denigrate his own surfing to like <laughs> try to compete, it, it's terrible, right? It's pretty gross. I got to say, of all the guys I've watched, I think none have sort of moved their upper body with the same sort of, you know. Yeah. He's kind of over the top. Would you surf that undignified for a heat win? I probably surfed like that this morning and didn't even realize. You know, it. yeah, I'm I'm trying to bring dignity back into the into the a theme I, of I dignity ap- into the conversation. I appreciate you for doing that. Yeah. And I'm just saying, is it worth it? Is it worth it to lower your dignity just for a heat win? No, and I would suggest it, but it's not the best way to get the heat win. Like that's a better point. I mean, if you watched it, I know you did. I mean, Adriano, at least when he was loading up for his bottom turn, it his upper body was kind of calm. Yeah. Jack looks like he's friggin' tossing pizzas, as Ryan Birch would say. Well, this is a perfect segue to something I wanted to ask you about, which is um boards. I feel oh. like almost everybody's been riding the wrong surfboards throughout the entire event. Uh, except for Idolo on day one and John John Florence on day one. And they happen to be the top performers, but John John was obviously riding an EPS core with a dark arts uh, construction lamination, carbon lamination. And then Idolo was riding a Timmy Patterson. I don't know what the construction was, but it looked flatter, wider, more round, not nearly as pointy as nar- and narrow. And those guys happen to be the top performers. Everybody else is kind of doing what Jack Robinson is doing as a result of, I think, r- trying to ride high-performance shortboard in crappy waves. Yeah, I I would suggest to you that I thought Jordy looked pretty good on his board. For I don't how, remember. For, it was the smallest day. It was round one. He got second place. He didn't, you know, but he just, his board looked like it, 
it worked really good. Oh, do we have an interference? I don't think so. Uh, Jack had, I'm sorry, Julian had priority, but he let Jack go. He's calling it. He's got his arm in the air and he's going, that's Does bullshit. He? Yeah. Well, Jack, bullshit. Jack only needs a 6.01 to advance and it looks like he might get it. He had a huge finner. Well, he might get a, he might get an interference. See, but Julian didn't really paddle for that. He paddled up John's back, but he didn't really make a concerted <laughs> effort. <laughs> he paddled up his back. But he didn't that's really make like a concerted a effort. That sounds like a concerted effort. Uh, I'm not you, listening. You would know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm not listening because uh, we're doing the show, but we'll you know. I'm not listening either, but we'll see what happens. This is going to, um, yeah. So in terms in terms of boards, had you had that thought at all watching the last couple of days? Uh, not really. You know, um, I've seen some guys where I was like, doesn't seem like they're surfing that great. I didn't necessarily uh, put it on their board, you know. Um, guys and girls and i think the girls especially on the day that was bigger in a lot of flat sections they would go into like a dumping section and they were just constantly kind of mistiming stuff and ending up going slow in in flat spots here's yeah. that here's that replay yeah i think you're right jack's way too close right yeah that's got to be an interference you're right julian's flagging the judges um i just felt like the women if they were writing fish or something, they would have been gliding through sections, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the judges want to see chicks on fishes, you know, or dudes on fishes for that matter. Agreed. And I don't know if, you know, we need to see some critical surfing here. I don't know. I hope they don't call it on him. Obviously we all want Jack Robinson to get through this. Despite your love of, Julian and his lack well, of world title. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's weird. You get these heats and you're like, God, why are these two guys? There's another heat later on today that it's like, why are these two guys surfing against each other? It kind of sucks. Uh, yep. Interference on Jack. Julian got the win. Uh, uh, Jack, that was a stupid. You're right. Jack was totally in front of Julian on that. Um, so another super weird moment. In the opening heat of today, did you watch the Gabriel Medina heat? Yeah. Okay, 10 minutes go by without a Hey, hold, hold on for a minute. My dog's causing a scene. Yeah, I gotta go. yeah. Okay, you were telling me about so, Gabe's heat. Yeah, I had never seen this before. Um, Gabriel Medina versus Connor O'Leary. Nobody caught away for the first 10 minutes of the heat. And yeah. so they called a restart. Well, they do one buzzer to end, you know, the first 10 minutes and then another buzzer to signify the start of the, the actual heat itself. But there's a little 10 minute delay or I'm sorry, 10 second delay between those two horns in that 10 seconds, Gabriel Medina caught a wave. And so it officially didn't go into a scoreline and it did not count. And he lost priority because of it. So once this, the, heat buzzer actually started the heat the new heat gabriel's still paddling out connor o'leary has priority and gabriel medina has zero scores on the board yeah that's that was just an unfortunate deal right for gabe i mean i think once the first horn goes that signifies it's we're doing a restart um, he hadn't he hadn't caught the wave yet right can we amend that rule immediately why does there need to be two horns couldn't the one horn end the 10 minutes and start the 30 minutes yeah, I mean, 
Right, your congressman. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't understand how we end up in these predicaments. How long has surf, professional surfing been running? And we're still running into these little snafus that don't make any sense at all. And secondly, the priority thing. Like they just shouldn't have, the priority should have been just neutral by the time that yeah. mistake happened. You know, like that's just a huge error on the part of the WSL, right? I think so. Yeah. It's weird. It doesn't, doesn't seem right. You're just, okay, John John's in the water, by the way. Immediately catches a heat right at the, or a wave right at the opening of the heat. Well, look, we got a whole day of fun surfing to watch. I think it's going to be fun. But um, I need to tell you about, first of all, I got an email. Somebody really liked my Joe Trapel interview. He said, as your interview with Joe Trapel went on, I found myself really liking him more and more. Somehow the WSL has made him into this bland, happy-go-lucky guy. But through the interview, his personality came through as this interesting and happy-go-lucky happy, happy guy. <laughs> so they've just missed the interesting part. I have a newfound like for the guy through your guys' conversation. Thanks, Kyle. So Kyle wrote in. By the way, California Gold Surf Auction, the bidding has kicked off and it's fast and furious. And I made a new video today highlighting some boards. And the title of the video, David, this is another quiz. The title of the video is the three OGs. What do you think the three OGs, what do you think that's referring to? Brewer? Well, the three shaping OGs? Well, it's, it's a video highlighting. Oh, I know what it is. Original glassers. <laughs> not, not, you're pretty close. The three OGs are original Jerry's, as in oh. all original Jerry Lopez's. The three OGs. I like it. I like yeah. it. So, anyway, the, the auction's going strong and uh, good stuff. Got a lot of cool boards and, and people are uh, getting crazy. So, good. what do you mean they're the original Jerry Lopez's? Well, we have three boards and some, you know, some boards are restored. This, these ones are original. They're not restored. Gotcha. So I called them original Jerry's. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I've got a segue to listener email and it's specifically about Jerry Lopez and it's controversial and uh -oh. you might find yourself in hot water. Okay. Bring it. You ready for it? I think so. Longtime listener, regular surfer at Upper Trestles. His name's Henning. I mean, this guy has been listening since, I mean, day one and probably listening to your show before you and I ever connected. And I remember meeting him at the boardroom show. Um, I think it was 2013, maybe 2014. Anyways, Henning says, um, he wrote an email about Jerry Lopez's soft tops that are now available at Costco. Yeah. He says, the only thing I have to say about it is that I'm not a wave storm hater like so many others. I think it's good. It gets everybody in the water uh, surfing at a lower price of admission and they will someday want a real board. So that helps out the industry in the end. The wave storm wasn't going to go anywhere. So you might as well make some, uh, bring some income to one of the sports legends. But he wanted to hear what you and I think about Jerry Lopez branded soft tops available at Costco for $199. Wow. <clears throat> That's a great question. And that, I'm going to need to try to chew on it a little bit. 
my first thought when you were reading it and hearing from Henning was, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a free market capitalist. So just from a business standpoint, if people are going to put products out there and the consumer is going to, and there's a demand for the product, then we have free market capitalism at its finest. And this is, there's nothing wrong with that. The market's obviously, there's a market for him and he's, and he's doing it, right? <clears throat> so, and I also feel like, and I felt this way when people, people used to try to give shit to like Yader and to Dale Velzi and to some other guys that would have boards under the surf tech label. Wait, this is way back when surf tech was the bad guy. There seems to be a new bad guy every 10 years, you know, it was surf tech and then it was like boardworks, and then it was like soft tops. And then it was like, you know, <laughs> anyway, All for the same reason. Yeah. So now it seems to be Jerry Lopez, $200. Now, so that's, did you say 199 bucks? Yeah. So that's a hundred dollars more than yeah. the soft tops. So he's charging a premium relative to the other ones that are there. And I kind of feel like the legends guy, I mean, dude, let the guy make some money. Like at this point, does it really matter? So anyway, I'm not, I don't know if I've answered your question. I, I'm not a fan of, of the Costco wavestorm thing, you know, but I'm also not going to get too hot and bothered about it. Um, I think they're wrong, you know, but if my daughter said, dad, I want to pick up surfing again. Will you get me a wave storm? I'd probably go. Yeah. Okay. You know, like I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, Blasphemy. I, well, I maybe, but the name of the show today. Um, I mean, no, I just look, I, I, I want to do what's right for my daughter. A hundred dollars is an entry. Seems like a pretty good price point to get to find out if she's into it or not. For her to go once and never use it again. Yeah. Exactly. Um, by the way, Morgan Sibilic is ripping. Yeah. Uh, he's against John John Florence. His first wave came in at an 8.1, uh, and John's first came in at a 7.83. And Morgan's second wave looks better than John's second wave, so we'll update you on that. But, okay, Scott, uh, that was not the stance I expected you to take. I mean, I, I think we have to tread lightly. Like, nobody wants to say anything bad about Jerry Lopez, period. But the question... Yes, there's money available. At a certain level of clout, there is money available. The question is, you know, we've seen in the past where people align themselves with brands that maybe tarnish a to a certain degree their legacy. And so that's more of the question. It's not, should Jerry do that? Or, you know, should you buy a Jerry Lopez board or not? It's more like, is this elevating Jerry's brand? Because by the way, there's, he's going to be around for quite, you know, a couple more decades, let's say. And there's going to be more, if you're thinking of Jerry as a brand, there's going to be more branding opportunities. And it's better to align yourselves with luxury retail, uh, you know, do a deal with Cartier or whatever it is, not for him, but if you are, yeah, whatever, yeah. a champagne brand or a rapper yeah. or something, yeah. align with Cartier, align with Nike shoes, stuff like that rather than broadest market possible for the lowest price. And you're right, it's not the lowest price. It's not Wavestorm price of a hundred bucks, but it's half the price 
of what we see, you know, album or almond surfboards selling their soft tops for, Pizel selling his soft tops for, McFanning selling his for. So it is, it's not the lowest, but it's certainly not luxury price. It's not premium priced. Yeah, well, you, you, you're looking at it from an interesting perspective, which is Jerry Lopez, the brand. I certainly wasn't commenting on that. Um, if I was, I, I guess when you look at it like that, I'm in agreement with you. If Jerry came to me and said, Scott, should I do this or not? I'd be like, you know what? First of all, you know, do you need the money? That's sort of a determinant. But if you're cool and you're good and things are fine, maybe there's a better way to um, sort of represent yourself. I don't yeah. know. You know, like from a brand perspective, you know, I, but I mean, look, on some level, Jerry's a friend of mine, you know, like, um, and, and that, that doesn't have anything to do with my, my feelings about this. I'm, I'm being honest with the way I feel about it. Um, and this is the way I feel kind of a, like, to me, this is a question about wave storms. This is really a question about wave storms. Am I for or against wave storms? Whether it has Jerry Lopez's name on it or no name on it, my feeling is I think they're kind of lame, but if my daughter came to me and said, Hey, I want to get, I want to start surfing again. All my friends have wave storms and I'm probably going to surf four times a, a year in the middle of the summer. And I want a wave storm. I would go, okay. Let's yeah. go get your wave storm, you know, like, and, you know, I don't think, and that's only because she said she wanted one. Like if she was like, well, I don't know. Should, what do you think dad? I'd probably go, well, let's go get you an album soft top. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I would keep it in the family, so to speak, because wave storm is definitely outside of the family in regards to the surfboard manufacturing industry. So on that and my presumption that making a soft top and selling it in Costco diminishes one's kind of brand reputation. Is that a fair assumption? I mean, does it, maybe it I don't does. Think, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it does anything to Jerry. Lo Jerry Lopez is, uh, is his whole trip transcends, you know, like short of being a, like getting convicted of some sort of mass murder. He's clean. Like he's, he's Jerry Lopez. You know what I mean? Like you can't screw it up. Like it's going to be hard for him. Like he's Lopez. He, he's he's five summer stories, man. He's honk, he's well, the honk soundtrack. There's literally a song on that album called Jerry's theme. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so well, you're you know. right. I, but I wonder even beyond that, like if the vast majority of surfers don't even view selling a soft top at Costco as um, problematic, like you and I do, because we, you know, work with board builders who are in their shaping boards, like getting dirty every day. And so we see that as an entirely different business, Wavestorms as an entirely different business model that affects the people that I just spoke about. But the vast majority of surfers may not. I don't think that they necessarily do. I think they walk in, they see it at Costco and they think, sweet, I'll add that as one more board to my quiver. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think guys that have quivers have have wave storms. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, um, I mean, I think they do, dude. I think they they have one for the kids or for a family that comes over or something like that. Yeah, that's that's not. First of all, the first part of your question, I agree with. I think that there are a large number of people who call themselves surfers and who are surfers. If in fact the definition is 
you own a board and you stand up on a wave, you're a surfer. It's that simple, right? Yeah. So there's a large majority of, of surfers, just the generic name, that don't have a problem at all with it. And that's yeah. fine. There's a very, there's a smaller number of surfers like myself who maybe get their feathers ruffled a little bit by this, you know? And it's because I'm so close to all of my, all of my friends are surfboard shapers. All of my friends work in, like many of, like, and the guys that aren't are guys like you and me and my other friends that all have experiences and stories and culture that revolves around either getting a custom board or the last custom board I got or the new board I got off the rack at, at Encinitas Surfboards or the board I got from Tim Bissell down in La Jolla or going to Jojo, going to Joe Roper's place and getting, you know, I just, the whole culture for me, it's just been around me for 45 years. So I'm tied to it and it means a lot to me, you know, now a vast majority of surfers don't have that experience. They're just like, yeah, right. it's, I'll put it next to my mountain bike and I'm a mountain biker too. I'm not just a surfer and I don't necessarily identify or people don't go, Oh, you're David, the surfer. I've heard about you. You do a podcast. You know, like I get that all the time. Yeah. And I know you do too. So yeah, I well, don't think the vast majority care. When we talk about brand identity um, and preserving it for kind of more, I don't know, luxury opportunities in the future, when you, you think about Hayden Shapes, yeah, I, what, I forget what luxury brand he did um, a collaboration with. It might have been Chanel. And so you look at that and he was, you know, relatively early in his career and or maybe a decade into his career. And he can use that clout to then sell his short boards for let's say $100 more next year. If they were 800 bucks the previous year, just doing that deal with Chanel elevates him to a new strata to where his regular tier boards go up 100 bucks. With Jerry, his boards that he's actually hand shaping and selling already are at the top of the market in terms of pricing. And I don't think that this deal affects that in any way, shape or form. Like he could, put the soft tops in Costco, sell 100,000 of them, 200,000 of them, who knows, and still sell the exact same number of hardboards next year for the exact same price he was selling them the year before. Yeah, totally agree, which which means that it's a good business move. Like he's topped out up here and now it's kind of go, let's go get some of that market down there. Yeah. You know? Lucky Jerry. Yeah, the three OGs. I mean, he earned it. It's not lucky, but. No. Um, so final note on this is when you first saw this news that his boards were available in Costco, what was your emotional reaction? I think I saw one somewhere. Like I didn't hear about it. I think I saw one, somebody walking down the, or no, I was in Costco. I was in Costco and I saw one. And my initial first thing was, I don't think it was complete disgust, but it was kind of like, uh, all right. I guess, he needs, <laughs> I, guess, I guess he needs money. I don't know. <laughs> like I said, Jerry's a friend of mine. I I don't think he needs. It's more, you know, it's just an opportunity. I mean, if, yeah. if a company came to you. Okay, here's a better question. This, this is what happened, by the way, too. A company came to him and said, hey, man, we got an idea. And he probably said, yeah, I know Jerry well enough to go. Yeah, why not go for it? Okay. Now, Jerry, Jerry doesn't really give a shit about what anyone thinks. Perfect. I love this. So that company comes to Scott Bass and says, the boardroom is the industry's most important surfboard 
uh, trade show. Yeah. We want to do boardroom soft tops available in Costco. We guarantee that we will sell half a million of those in 2022. And you don't have to do anything. We're just going to use your logo. We're going to manufacture, distribute. We'll send you a check quarterly. What do you do? Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't be wise. <laughs> not not going not gonna to do it. <laughs> Read yeah. my lips. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Read my lips. Hell no. All right. All right. I will pretend like I believe you. What? You think I'm lying? <laughs> Dude, you'd, you'd be the score. I'd be the. I don't. I'm not Jerry Lopez. I would catch. You would catch able, so much. I would flack. catch so much shit, and I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Yeah. Life's By the way. Not, yeah. Um, just to get you off the hot seat for a second, Morgan Sibilic might win this heat. Uh, I have him on my fantasy team, and I don't have John John. Really? Yeah. Well. So, I'd be psyched. I'd be psyched if he won this heat. Well, look, look how much more exciting he is. Then the other four guys, those boring fucking 38-year-olds. Take we it talking. easy. Take it easy. <laughs> Sorry so, about the F-bomb. So strategically, John John has been staying very busy, getting a ton of waves. And Morgan waited out the back. He's ridden three waves, as far as I could tell, this entire heat. And each score was better than the previous. He's um, ripping. He's absolutely shredding. Riding sharp eyes. I've way. got this kid on my fantasy team. Um, Nobody so had, has this guy but me. So he had an 8-1 on his first ride. I'm going to guess that that's even better. That could be like an 8-5. He's going to have John John needing like a 10. There's some nice sets coming through too. Yeah. Waves are getting a little better. It looks rippable. Yeah, the squall moved, and now it kind of laid down a bit. Um, so – Segway away from that, but kind of a similar topic. This was a listener email as well. He said, hey guys, I really enjoyed your talk on Florence's new brand and was hoping you could dig in a bit more. Brands established by pros is an interesting topic, especially in the action sports industry. It'd be interesting to look back and see how superstar born brands performed, like the demise of Gotcha, the flatline of Outer Known. The hurdle the brand's face is so similar to that of a pro star. They have a tiny window of time to take advantage of their momentum. If they don't establish themselves strongly enough within that timeline, it could be an imminent death. It conveniently dovetails with the talk about, quote, no more, no to more sales. You were claiming that anybody will go for more sales. And I was claiming that, you know, some people uh, turn down distribution opportunities. The listener went on to say, I've definitely learned my lesson to say no to sales, especially when working in core industries. Sure, it would be great to get a huge deal with Walmart, but not only do they need to uh, bend over, would you need to bend over on margins and service? The damage to your brand image can be lethal. Just look at Quicksilver. Maybe it'll be different now with the Val apocalypse towing the industry line. Are we going to see John, uh, Florence Marine X at Dick's Sporting Goods? Buy a Lopez soft top, get Florence Bordies half off. Cheers, Mark. I got the email too. It was a good one. I wanted to bring it up last week. I think it's fascinating. First, let me clarify something. What I'm saying is that is you should be able to get as many sales as possible within your channels, right? I, I wasn't saying, hey, sell out to Walmart. 
you were saying that was the model. You were saying you either do it with core or you end up selling out to Walmart. And I'm saying, no, that's such old mentality thinking. I'm saying there are so many different ways to sell your product these days that you don't need Walmart. I'm saying say yes to as many sales as possible while keeping, and this is a great example, Patagonia, while keeping your shit real. Patagonia is probably the greatest brand as far as like keeping their, their whole sincere, I don't even want to use the word image, it's who they are as a brand, keeping it real and doing the right thing. They just gave a million bucks to voting rights in Georgia and in Texas. And um, so, and guess whose sales are going through the roof? Patagonia's sales are going so crazy that there's like hedge fund guys on Wall Street that wear Patagonia vests and do like CNBC and C-SPAN like talks and stuff, you know, get interviewed like talking heads. And Patagonia is like, don't give those, don't sell to those guys. That's not who we are. Like they're actually taking sales away from the richest people in the world. And, you know, so my point, I guess, so I've gotten a little excited here, but my point is, is that that conversation was convoluted by you. You were putting words in my mouth, which was not helpful. I'm saying, don't turn away sales. I'm not saying go to Walmart and sell your, you know, sell your Jerry Lopez soft top there. Yes, you did. What I'm saying is. That's what everybody heard, including that listener. That's not true. Cause I got emails from other people that were saying David's full of shit. <laughs> David's like working on an old school retail model that is like 1997. Well, I got emails from the exact brands we were talking about in that moment saying you're entirely right. That's exactly what we're doing. I No, see, the thing is, is that it's the same. I know, like, I know, I, I know. I know. We were talking same. about the same thing. We were just saying it differently. Yeah, thank you. God, you got me all conflamped. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> conflamped. What's you that? Conflamped. For clamped? Conflamped. Okay. Um, well, I think... To the, to the listener's point, though, that he was trying to make, it is interesting to think that those brands that so closely tie themselves to an athlete or were even founded by an athlete do seem to have a really small window to, like, hit hard. If that's your only identity is that athlete, then you're really riding the peak of their popularity. And that's yeah, it. I, I think that the, the Florence Marine X thing is interesting. Like what, you know what I mean? Like, cause I, cause I sit here and I say to myself, okay, I guess they're marketing to David and I, and all of us that love John, John Florence and surfing, but it's also this Marine thing and this sailing thing. And, and, and maybe they're marketing right now to a whole group of people we don't even know about, you know, or are they marketing to us, the surfers and to the people that love the ocean? Like, yes. And surfing sailing crossover market, I think is their demo. Yeah, that's, is that even a market? Apparently, yeah. No, no, that no, that's not, no. It either is or it isn't. You don't like hope it is. What I'm saying apparently is I was unaware that it is a market because I'm not into sailing, but yes, it is a market. It is a market for sure. So there's a bunch of surfers that are sailors. Apparently. <laughs> I John, doubt John, it. John, John doubt being it. among the most notable. I, uh, doubt it. I hope I'm wrong. I only want the best of things, but I bring up this brand because of the timing thing that you and Mark mentioned in his email, this idea that you've got this little window. Yeah. yeah Let's yeah. not flatline it like others have, you know what I mean? And so 
do you feel like, yeah, Florence Marine X is really like come on strong and I see it everywhere and it's in friggin' Huntington Beach surf and sport. And like, I don't know, because I don't necessarily go into those stores, but do you feel like they've launched? Do you feel like no, this they happened? Haven't. They haven't. Nothing's nothing's launched yet. But I think what's interesting about it is Patagonia didn't didn't tie themselves to an athlete. They tied themselves to an ethos and an identity in a way, like a whole entire thought process. And right. so that can live forever. Right. And and then you can be associated with athletes along the way. Yeah. But this listener's comment about tying yourself to an athlete gives you a more finite timeline. And then if you're even putting the athlete's name in the title, Florence, that's a lot of pressure. Number one, for the athlete. But number two, like it's uh, for the brand to have any sort of longevity beyond what that family name is, you know? And so unless you can pivot while the athlete starts uh, maybe falling out of the limelight, if you can then pivot to more of an ethos and identity, then maybe you can kind of maintain market share for a long term. But it's an interesting conundrum. It really is. I mean, the, the idea, this idea that your name is in the brand is, and that is immediately had me thinking about Jerry Lopez. So if you're Florence Marine X, you're thinking to yourself, you know what? How many has he got? Three world titles? Two. Two. Let's get three. Let's maybe we'll get four. Three would be great. With three world titles, Jerry Lopez has, has lived on forever with that. You know, like now it's a little bit different because Lopez was sort of tied into this whole time frame, this whole yeah. the transitional board, the down rail ripping the first guy to be Mr. Pipeline. John has some of that, but he doesn't, he wasn't the first, you know, so John's going to need a little bit more, you know, to kind of sustain his name in the brand forever. Yeah. Lopez, you know, Lopez doesn't necessarily have, uh, you know, his name in the brand, but anyway, it'll be interesting. You know, if you're a part of, Pat O'Connell's team and the whole team there at Can Dewey, it's just going to be, it, it's got to be kind of like exciting and also nervous. And, and what is the, like I say to myself, what does this brand look like in five years? Right. What is it? What does it look like in five years? Well, a couple of things worth noting. Hurley is a brand that tied themselves to a name and had a lot of success and long-term success, but it wasn't tied to Bob's identity as an athlete. The name just happened to work for the brand. And well, hold on. I think that the reason that that, that works so good is because of Bob Burley. So Bob, as you know, had was the Billabong USA guy forever, right? He was the licensee of Billabong in the United States for like 15 or 20 years before. So he had all of these relationships. Yes. And everyone loves Bob Hurley. And everyone still loves Bob Hurley. So it was easy for him to go, I'm doing everything the same, but it's but it's my clothes now and my vision. And everyone, no doubt, we're in, sign me up. So it's it worked, a little bit different. It's entirely different. It worked because of his business acumen, not because of his identity as an athlete. The market for the market. Right, but it, but it worked because of his identity with his name. Now well, he wasn't an athlete, but his, but yeah, that's what I mean. Internally, inter- for sure. Internally, for I'm, sure. Saying, I'm saying from the consumer standpoint, Right. When they're looking at Florence as a name, it's very different than Hurley as a name, you know, for the reasons you just stated. And the success of Hurley is because of Hurley, but it wasn't 
like, I'm going to name this after myself because I have all this cachet and clout market facing, you know? Yeah. Um, he did have a little though. There was, because it was a brand, a surf brand. I mean, he could also like, kind of like use the foundation of his surfboard brand, which he had in the seventies and eighties as like, you know, this is why, you know, because I've had this brand the whole time, just kind of back here on the back seat. Totally. Again, we're saying the same thing. Um, Whoa, Morgan (laughs) beat John John. So Morgan, that second wave was a nine, a nine Oh three and an eight one eight. Man, for two years. John fell. I mean, it's a, did you see John fall? He, he had a wave and he needed to make it and he fell on the rotation landing. Yeah, it was a crappy wave. I don't think he would have got the score anyways, but um, that's a bummer, but amazing, I told you remember last week I said, Morgan, remember last week when I told you, you? I think you said Jackson actually. Oh, that's right. He's and by the way, it's not Jackson Baxter. It's Jackson oh, it Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Follow up from last week. Oh my God. Um, the worst. I heard you say the wrong name today already. I'm trying to remember when you said it. You said you said some name and you said it wrong. Oh, it was Bronte. You're like, what did you're I like say? Bron- you said Bronte McCullough. It's Dave, it's Dave McCauley's daughter. It's Bronte McCauley. I um I'd be shocked if we only if I only got one wrong today. I'd be shocked if anyone even acknowledged that but me. <laughs> <laughs> um I forgot where I was going with that, the brand identity thing. No, we were talking about brand names. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I guess to sum up, it will be interesting. Uh, Can you think of any examples where the brand name, associating an athlete's name with the brand or even naming it after, had long-term success? Man, that's, that's, I don't know, you know, I'm thinking like, Hank 10, OP, Billabong, Quicksilver. Um, and then of course, it'd be better if we reached outside of the surf world and there are there other, maybe, um, oh, that was an athlete? Cause there's like Gucci. Sure. But um, as far as an athlete, I don't know, man. Yeah, but so with luxury brands, they're being named after their acumen, again, as a designer, and that has longevity. But yeah. if you're just tying yourself Sorry, I'm repositioning. I'm getting blasted by the sun. Yeah. Um, I don't... The, the, at any rate, it's interesting. Well, the, the Florence thing, like, I, I'm just interested, like, like, from your perspective, you say that there's crossover between the sailing world and the surfing world. And maybe there is. I don't know. But how big is John John Florence in the sailing world? It's just the hobby that he's into. I don't think he's like big. Right. In, so in the and how and how big is the like like I guess what I'm saying is okay, I get it. I can't wait to see Florence Marine X in all the surf shops. And we're gonna, and it's gonna be great. We're gonna there's gonna be, you know, all the windows are gonna be blasted with marine. It's gonna be good. And that's I mean, don't you think that's like 90% of their marketing and their whole mission is is to sell through core retail surf? Yeah. And then I mean, that's it. Like, is there really like core retail sailing that even does any kind of numbers? It's all just, well, you're supposed to be the expert. Well, that's eight. That's the whole, maybe that's their whole point is they're going to be the first. I don't, I, I, maybe they see it as a burgeoning market and it's like all those surf, all those surf fish brands are actually thriving because that's a huge crossover market. And if you could have been the first in that, 
then yeah. you'd be crushing. And so maybe that's what they're doing. Make technical gear for sailing, but kind of marketed towards surfing or maybe part of the marketing is towards surfing and uh, be the first one in pioneer the space. Yeah. You know, John does those long distance paddles too. Like he's done Molokai a number of times and maybe there's something there. Like I, I kind of get it with like Kai, like with Kai, you know, like Kai could be one of their guys because Kai's, I mean, he's sailing with the wind wing and he's stand up paddling across Molokai and he's foiling and he's frigging doing everything. Kai, yeah. I mean, he's swimming with dolphins. He's probably got a dolphin for a girlfriend for all I know. Yeah, the guys, the guys like blasphemy. He's kind of the guy. Like, he's kind of like, he's kind of Florence Marine X. He'd right? fit, he fit with the brand perfectly. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. But he's not like, you don't go, oh, sailing guy. You go, waterman guy, you know? Yeah. That's what Cross, they're going for. Crossover guy. Waterman guy. Waterman guy. Last I heard, he was dating Dusty Payne's sister. God, you're, you're not, all over not a, not a dolphin. You're all over Surfing's People magazine, huh? Like, you're like TMZ for surf. I just don't want to see an article on Beach Grid about bestiality and get him into hot water from a rumor that was started here. <laughs> no comment? <laughs> I mean, I don't either, you know? Like, what are you going to say? Um, well, hey, Scott, uh, do you need to use the restroom yet? Should we go to commercial or should we give away a set of NVS fins? Which should we do first? <laughs> This whole concept of me needing to use the restroom is so geriatric. It's funny. We're at the 55 minute mark. I'm sure. I'm sure we hit it 20 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, actually, if you go proper geriatric, you can just go while you're sitting there. It'll, how do you know I'm not? <laughs> you won't even have to get up. Uh, 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 yeah. So for every time that you <laughs> laugh and pretend like it's a joke, yeah. We cut to commercial and you get up and go to the bathroom. So it's actually true. <laughs> do you want to give away fins or do you want to go to the bathroom? Oh, let's give away some fins. <laughs> All right. NVS, we have not been diligent about this. NVS is a very good partner of ours, NVS Fins, and they are willing to slang fan, uh, fins at listeners as long as you and I are willing to uh, do it on air. So Absolutely. We've, we've been remiss to not hand these out. You and I have been writing NVS fins to our heart's I, content and we're I not actually, sharing them with listeners. I need some new ones. I know. I, we both ordered new ones today. I'm not sure I ordered any. <laughs> no, I didn't quite understand your email either. Do you want the C drives or do you want the keels? You said keels slash C drives. Those are two different types of fins. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I got this new board from Sean Madison and it has FCS tabs. I have so many. Every one of my boards is, is futures. Yeah, me too. And I bought a board off the rack and it has FCS and I'm like, God, I got to, you know. So, so anyway, I don't know. Sean's thinking keels, but I don't think he's even tried the C drives because Sean doesn't have a clue about the C drives. I did. That's exactly my dilemma as well. Now, here's what I'll recommend you do. Yeah. Send a photo of that board to our boys, Jamin and Leif at NVS and let them tell you what to do. That's what I always do. Yeah. But so, I, am I taking advantage? Because I feel like maybe I'm taking advantage. Like they've sent me two or three different sets of pins already. You are not taking advantage. Because okay. um, I don't mind paying. I'll pay. Yeah. No, I'll, I, I, you are not taking advantage. And I will facilitate the communication if you would like so that you can be 
clean of it. But well, I don't. I just I don't want to bum them out. I like those guys. I don't want them to think I'm taking advantage of them. They're so you said futures versus FCS for the listener. Just to clarify, the fins are made by NVS, but they put tabs in it to fit futures boxes or FCS boxes. So you can buy any of their fins with the appropriate tab to fit whatever box you have in your board. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I had, we talked about it on the show. I had C drive thrusters and you got the C drive twins. Well, I've been riding this Roger Hines Dreamfish that he gave me recently. How's that? It's epic. And I've been riding it with the album uh, Upright Twins. So they're large fins, but they're real upright. Yeah, like the MR style for for lack of a better phrase. Exactly. Yeah. And I want to, and then I, I have a set of keels that I tried in them, but I just don't like. So I want to try the C Drive Twins. So I reached out to NVS a couple of weeks ago and they're like, dude, we're running super low on stock but they just got inventory back. So they're sending me C drives and we're giving away a set of C drive fins today. To okay. Well, I specifically ride the C drives in my, in my twin fin and I love them. So I'm excited for a listener. Can you explain what the C drive looks like? Yeah. The C drive has a normal like keel base for say the first inch and a half or inch as you go vertically tall up the fin, then it pinches in to sort of the top half of the fin is more like a traditional raked standard um, twin fin, if you will, where, but it's, but it's a little bit rakier. So there's a long tip. Yeah. So you're, you get the best of both worlds. You get a bassy drivey keel vibe at the, at where the, where the fin meets the fiberglass. And then as the fin rakes out, it pinches in and gets much narrower. And so you get a lot of release and a lot of uh, fluidity out of the fin. Perfect description and called C drive because if you just look at the fins profile, that cutaway is the shape of a C, the cutaway on the back of the fin. And these fins have been designed for, I don't know, a decade or two. But the problem with making them was materials because you need like really thin points in the fin and you go from a real wide base to a really thin tip. And so fins, fiberglass traditionally could break and snap if you put a lot of pressure on the fins. These, of course, are made out of that, um, the Apex technology that NVS uses, which is this G10 uh, laminate, or G10, it's like a fiberglass laminated in an autoclave. So it's super strong and yields a very thin fin, but very strong. So you can thin it out. You can get real thin foils that are still stronger than kind of thicker laminates would be in the past. Look at C-Drive, bros. Sweet. It's a futuristic looking fin. This is a cool little fin. I wish I... I, This fin would be perfect as the little trailer fin for my FCS, but it's... Oh, well. Well, we want to give a set away since they're back in stock. Enough about me. And we also obviously have a subscription platform set up for five bucks a month for listeners to contribute to the show which helps us run the business of it, Scott. Like, Please ad- contribute. Advertising revenues help, but the foundation kind of being able to have predictable revenue every month is what subscription dollars allow us to do. And so for five bucks a month, um, you can support our work here and we'll give, give stuff away. We do surfboard giveaways. And today we are giving one set of C-Drive fin- fins 
to Nathan Sigler. Nathan, Nathan Sigler. Nathan Sigler, you're the winner, dude. Congrats. You're going to love these fins. I do, and I'm a big fan. And, man, good for you, Nathan. Thanks for being a subscriber, bro. I just randomly scrolled through the subscriber list. It looks like Nathan set up a subscription in December 2020 or so. So uh, thank you for that, Nathan. Hugely appreciate your support, and you'll be psyched. For anybody else who wants the fins, uh, you get 10% off on surfnvs.com. Just use the promo code podcast. That supports us. That makes them know or allows them to know that uh, you heard about it here and the 10% off saves you on fins. So surf better, save money. Nathan, congratulations. You're our winner. NVS fins. Epic. So um, hold on. Yeah. I got to go get my dog. Okay, go. <laughs> you mean you got to go pee? No. No, I got to get my dog. Okay. Hold on. Okay, yeah, go. <laughs> I knew it. Okay, doors are locked. He's inside. Perfect. Aren't you, it's little weird. buddy? It's weird. I never heard him bark or anything. That's because I got these on. Oh, okay. What else do you got for us, Dave? Uh, the ultimate Oh, my surfer. God. Oh, no, okay. you, you go. That sounds way more exciting than the ultimate surfer. No, did, did you? So I'm a Stab Premium subscriber. Did you see the footage from Kira? Oh my gosh, yeah. Where did you see it? Uh, on Instagram. Oh, so Kira, this, Kira this is interesting. Wait a minute. Off. Wait a minute. This is interesting. So I paid Stab Premium to watch it, but you watched it for free on Instagram. Well, what footage are you talking about? God, it was just like this. Random I don't know. Clips. Four minutes of edited insanity. Some of the most insane rides. Just mind blowing barrels deep driving behind the curtain triple spits melted by the way you know that we were supposed to be running on the gold coast right now right yeah that's what staff <laughs> is saying too we're literally in the middle of what would have been a gold coast event i mean through no failure of anyone's i mean this no. is just covid restriction yeah. but what a shame i mean can you imagine if that was a ct event so mental i mean it's a, it's as good as it gets it's as good as it gets. As yeah. good as it's ever been, maybe. And what I love about it is not perfect, like not perfection. There's yeah. like dredgy under under sea yeah. level ones and sections that you got to navigate. And uh, yeah, those guys are ruling it. Those I mean, locals out there rule it. Sections that you have to put the pedal to the metal. And you can see them in the barrel, just milk, like doing the little teeny, like just enough fin checks to get the board continually right. continually moving forward. Well, that, that is a perfect segue to my kook of the day. I was going to talk about the WSL released the news that the Ultimate Surfer will be airing on ABC in August, but whatever. It's not that big of a story, and we can hit it next time. You're, ar you're already yawning. <laughs> I just... <laughs> That was my first yawn of the evening. It came right <laughs> as I'm talking about the ultimate surfer. <laughs> it was a legit sincere yawn too. Speaking of geriatric, it's 540 <laughs> at night. It's time for the blue light special at fucking... Uh... <laughs> man, dropping the F-bombs today too. I apologize. I know. Coco's, man. I'm late for my dinner. I get a little hangry this time. So in that clip that you saw on Stab, did it show Mitch Parkinson's seven second barrel that he got dropped in on by another dude yeah where he went like that yeah double yeah. fingers flips him off coming out of the barrel yeah 
So I was going to say the guy who burned Mitch Parkinson, I mean, full on donkey move, right? Yeah. Not only does he fade him hard, he like doesn't make the barrel. He like barely makes the drop wobbling and then jumps off his board because the waves running without him just fully blew it. And that Mitch had all of the drive and momentum to make that next section too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, is he actually the kook? Photographer Aaron Pierce posted some a land angle of that. Aaron Pierce, by the way, goes by Liquid Storm on Instagram. He said, and his caption said, there's a bit of a storm brewing about this wave Mitch got at Kira yesterday. People have only seen the videos of him taking off, uh, getting a seven second barrel only to be dropped in on and everyone is blowing up about it without knowing the full story. Mitch getting dropped in on is karma as he himself dropped in on a guy about to get barreled at the start of that exact wave before the video shows it. Even worse is a few frames before the shot above, I zoomed in and Mitch is looking straight at the poor guy. So he does see them. It's poor sportsmanship and it's freaking selfish. Uh, Sure, Mitch's barrel was impressive and the other guy shouldn't have dropped in on him. And, uh, as there was probably another five seconds at least left in Mitch's barrel. And I have no, I have a policy, no matter who it is, if someone drops in their photos of them getting barreled will never see the light of day and most likely get deleted. It's unfortunate as there's some cracking shots, especially a few frames after the above shot is such a heavy line with Mitch pulling in. Too much of this is going on and surfers need to sort this out somehow, but how can it be sorted out when surfers like Mitch that uh, kids look up to keep doing these things and getting away with it? This time though, karma got you and you totally deserved it. It's not as though there's no waves, there's no other waves after this one. And the, uh, he goes on to say, and the way that guy was surfing, he shouldn't, he wouldn't have even had a chance of making those barrels but Mitch stole possibly the best wave of his life from him. I guess he's referring to the guy that Mitch burned. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me that there's some backstory there. Plus, I saw I saw Mitch Parkinson get about five of the 10 waves I saw, five of them were Mitch. Like yeah. he was he fully owned that session, so doesn't surprise me and good on the photographer for sort of putting his, you know, flag in the ground and going, "Look, it's got to stop." I don't disagree, but there's so many dynamics happening in the water that the photographer isn't privy to. And to be honest, when there's that much water moving, there's the swell, like, and it's kind of that treacherous even. If you're in position like Mitch was, and you see the guy that even the photographer said, the guy who got the wave first that Mitch burned probably wouldn't have made the barrel. Sometimes you just go. You're like, this is the day of days. That guy's clearly not going to make this wave. I'm in position for a section I know I can make. <laughs> the water's moving. Like, you just go sometimes, you know? Oh, my God. You don't? <laughs> you don't pull rank? I'm trying to surf with dignity these days. I mean, so many, so many times lately, I've, like, just gone, ah. And I've had a, a moment of, uh, like, a very slight moment of oh, I should have went and then a much longer moment of I'm so glad I didn't go because now I'd have to be dealing with this guy and probably apologizing and who knows well what I'm what I'm suggesting is on that day you're putting your head down and paddling if a wave is within your reach 
And you don't decide to pull back until kind of the last second when you reassess where everybody is and who everybody is. And you pay the consequence of pulling back a lot of the time because then you're out of position for the rest of the set and you're getting swept down the beach and all that sort of stuff. So in that moment, he probably saw, okay, that Barney's paddling for it. He probably won't even catch it. I saw him miss a bunch of other waves and I saw him dodge the barrel on a couple other waves. So I'm going to put my head down and paddle. And then turns out that Barney did catch it and he did get to his feet. And you look back at the last second, you go, well, do I back out now? You know? And I think, Obviously or the other nice. thing, well, it's you're absolutely right. There are so many things, which is why there's no right or wrong, you know, way to do this thing called surfing. I mean, I got a call from Michael Frampton a couple, three weeks ago, and he was all livid and all hot and bothered about getting dropped in on at First Point Malibu, which is funny. <laughs> Just the, but, but the point is, is there's so many little things. How do we know that Mitch wasn't like, you know what, that guy was in position for three waves prior to this. Yeah. And because he didn't go, I didn't go. And right. now I'm just fed up and I'm going. Because he, if he would have gone on the wave he was supposed to go on, he'd been in on the beach already. Yep. So it's my turn. Yep. Anyway, there's just so much of that. And it's, 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 it's a, you know, there's a million ways to litigate this problem. You know, it's just uh, depends on whose point of view you, you seem to side with, you know, and, and the backstory of the backstory of the backstory. Well, as far as I've seen, Mitch hasn't chimed in on it and good on him. He's too busy getting barreled. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, who cares? That guy burned me. But like you said, I got four other ones and sure I burned that guy, but I saw him blow three other ones. And so you guys online, just talk about it all you want. I'm going to go get barrel. That clip on stab is just, I guess it's the same one you watched, but it is just unbelievable, man. Gosh. Um, so lots of swell kind of events happening. Wedge just had a pretty solid weekend this past weekend. But my must-see moment among all of it is Clay Marzo's B-sides from Snapped 4. Wow. Everyone's pulling out their, their old footage, huh? Did you watch it? No, I didn't see it. I thought you loved Clay Marzo. I do, I do. I've missed it. I thought you would have, like... I will. Dropped everything for this. It just came out last night or yesterday, this morning, maybe. Uh, Snapped 4 is in production, and they have been dropping stuff that's left on the editor's floor. They kind of put together and put it out on the internet. And so Clay Marzo's section just came out. And it's like, if that's the B-roll stuff, Clay's A stuff, it's got to be insane. That's pretty cool. It's going to be fun to see what, what actually happens with that, isn't it? The guy's a freak. He is. Is he doing those laybacks? Those lay forward, layback things? Like, he's just, he's so, like a gymnast. He really is. The original clayback is like a blow tail turn. But I think the ones you're talking about is him doing it in the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. He's doing it at like um, barreling reef breaks, like Penang. Like, it's, so it's overhead. My point is, it's not like he's done it at the wave pool in. Waco as well because it's so small uh, that you kind of have to lean back just to get in it. But at Padang, it's like double overhead and he's still leaning back and he's like, and the foam ball's gurgling and he's somehow like cozying up on the foam ball <laughs> while he's leaning back. It's just the gnarliest thing ever. It's like he's cozying up with Sophie on the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that cuddle bug. Um, Mike Duke, I don't they've been posting some footage of 
Newcastle born surfers throughout this event. And one that they threw a couple of clips of, and then I pulled up some clips on YouTube just to do a deeper dive. Matt Hoy. I love me some Matt Hoy. Oh my God. Matt Hoy just playing like Iron Maiden and ACDC just at some pub somewhere. I appreciated him growing up. Whenever I saw his footage, I was like, I could get down with it, but re-watching it now, it's freaking, it's so radical. You know who you need to talk fan. to? You need to talk to Brad about, about Matt Hoy. Hoy. Oh, yeah. Were they boys yeah. or were they? Oh, yeah, they were boys. Oh, okay, cool. Talk to Hoyo. I mean, talk to Brad about Matt Hoy. I'm we sure he's get, got some funny stories. Dude, we should get Matt Hoy on the podcast. Oh, he'd be pretty good. You, you think you talk I could understand him via Zoom? Drop some F-bombs. Yeah, that's true. More <laughs> than you? I don't know, but. He'd be pretty good. He's, I'm sure he's opinionated. Um, one other detail listeners should be aware of is Stab is currently filming their current electric acid surfboard test. Follow him on Instagram if you want to get little uh, snippets of what's to come. They've got Mason Ho and Coco Ho riding that quiver. And Bad Boy Rai Rai is posting it on Instagram too in his stories. So a little behind the scenes look if you want to follow along. Oh, for sure. Going to do that. It's fun. Looks like they're scoring. Good. I look forward to that. Awesome. Well, hey, Scott, we always owe a thanks to Neat Essentials, of course. Keep Absolutely. us warm everywhere we go. Absolutely. Been, oh. been enjoying my Neat Essential walk shorts. Yep, right here. This is what I'm wearing. You want to see them? Not really. That's a little bit too close for comfort. A little too close? You want to see them from behind? You want to see how they hug my curves? No, not really. Oh, okay. I, I'm seeing some, you got some veins in your legs, though. What's going on there? Uh, I don't kind know. of a to, veiny leg. Need to get out of this chair more. Uh, no, but need essentials, board shorts, wetsuits, outerwear for the mountain. Accessories nowadays too, traction, sunblock, booties. Sweet. Leashes. Everything you need for your spring, summer surf trip. That's It's all in the name. Everything you need, you need nothing you don't. That's right. Essentials that are needed. All right, Scott, you got anything exciting uh, among the heat draw? Well, yeah. I mean, let me see. I, there's a couple that I'm pretty geeked out on. Um, uh, the Crosby Colapinto one. The Edelo Jackson that? Baker. Crosby has um, Ryan Callanan. Yeah, I'm. I'm more into what Crosby does there than who he surfs against. Um, yeah, Edelo and Jackson Baker. I mean, Edelo is going to smoke him, right? I think so. And then Kyle. That's the only heat I care about today. Kyle. And actually, heat 16 could be really good. So I reached out to Kyle today. We, yeah. Of the 15000 bucks, we've raised 7.5. So I'm like, hey, forget about the nose of your board. We'll give you 7.5 today. Put the sticker on the chest. On the chest? On well, the board? on the board, yeah. Like basically uh, below the nose, but above the other stickers somewhere around that level on the bottom and the deck both okay both because the deck on the chest you're not going to see it it's going to be covered in wax and just wait till he's doing some crazy turn you'll see that thing all right where do you want it you want it i'll put it somewhere else or ask him to put it somewhere else well somehow we need to get it on his ass on his wetsuit <laughs> that's a different that's a different gofundme Got to set up an OnlyFans. We'll ask Ellie Jean how to set that one up. I'm just trying, <laughs> trying to make sure that it, the logo is as visible as possible. Uh, but 
So the strategy is uh, we'll pay him tomorrow. We'll just put the sticker below the nose of the board. So I'll let you know. He's not going <laughs> to reply because he's too busy trying to win a heat today. But uh, we'll have that information the next day or two. Oh, God. Nothing says unsponsored surfer like a GoFundMe page that can't sponsor a surfer. <laughs> <laughs> or a logo on your butt. Nothing <laughs> Nothing uh, goes uh <laughs> I'm disappointed. We couldn't get to 15 grand. Well, I mean, we could, it'll take more time, but we could do it maybe by Nairobi or something. But I, I mean, I'm, let's just get it, get it on his yeah. board and move on. Let's move on to the next surfer. As long as it's visible, we need to get to a place where they're talking about it. The, the media is talking about where they're going. What's that sticker on your board? Exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. I actually need Kyo to tell, let's look at my new sponsor. It's you guys. The people are my sponsor. Reach out to your buddy, Joe Turpel. Tell him to take it to the airwaves. I will. Perfect. He runs out of things to talk about. <laughs> you know what's so great is Joe and Free Scrubber, where he's, he oh, just yeah, does, yeah, yeah. Tom's going straight. He's, well, you know, he just does the perfect parody of himself. It's he epic. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, Scott, we'll enjoy the rest of the day. Yes. Until next time, David. Adios and aloha.